Morning, everyone. It is great to be back with you again. We are in the middle of our series in uh, the book to the Romans. And uh, I sort of titled this one, Why is the world in such a mess? It's a question a lot of people ask. It's a question that I suppose many see at different times around the world, but this really gives a brilliant answer to it, this passage that we are going to dive into. So I'm going to pray and we will then get right to it. Heavenly Father, thank you for being able to really look at your word. Thank you for living in a nation, whether we're Christ followers or not, where we can actually explore faith, where we can explore the deepest longings and the deepest yearnings in our heart, where we can ask difficult questions, where we can ask about things that we uh, are concerned about. And we have an opportunity in this country to do that. And thank you that as we dive into your word today, that your word is life and truth, it's wisdom, it's direction. And I know that you're gonna speak to us as we go through this. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you took a browse through the news just in the past week, think about some of the things that you would see. Texas school shooting, the Russia-Ukraine war has no signs of slowing and everyone's sort of waiting. What's Russia's next move? How can we support Ukraine in defending themselves? Political lies all over the place about uh, parties that guys had when they shouldn't have or did they really mean what they uh, said? Government bails out, needing, needing to bail out um, uh, travel industry needing to bail out the healthcare system. I mean, that's all over the place. Celebrity breakups. Maybe some of you have been watching the whole Johnny Depp, Amber Heard and the chaos that goes around that. Uh, Can Canada has just started uh, trialing the legalization of MDMA and cocaine, which is terrifying to me, but actually the legal process of it. And the list goes on. If you look at the news regularly or when you look at it, it's not easy to say we live in a crazy world and possibly as I said the title of the message why is the world in such a mess and sure some of you watching or some people around the world might argue that we're progressing as a human race we're progressing as the world there's technological advances there's medical breakthroughs there's human development and we're learning more and more about our minds but is anything actually improving I don't think so I believe that the sparks of hope are quickly dashed by the waves of confusion in our world and these little pockets of joy that pop into our lives or people's lives are rapidly filled by the weight of despair in so many situations. And if society was to sit down and be honest, and I've asked a number of my friends, people of different faiths, people who are exploring faith, if we're to sit down quietly just with our thoughts and to be honest, I think we would all agree that there's something wrong in the world. We may disagree as to why, but we would agree there's something wrong in the world. News stations do not have good that outweighs the bad, and people's lives are not growing in contentment. The world is in a mess. And so again, the question we need to ask ourselves is why is the world in such a mess? What is behind the brokenness? What's really behind all of that? Is it just random particles bumping together? Are our lives just random chain of events? Or is there something else causing this mess? And I believe the Bible, God's word gives us the answer. And in this book that Paul wrote uh, many years ago to the Roman church, I believe this really gives an answer to the mess. And so if you have your Bibles, I would love you to turn to Romans 1 verse 18. If you don't, uh, don't worry, it's going to come up 
on the screen. We're going to go through this together. The last two weeks that we've been in Romans, we first looked at an introduction and really Paul who was saved in a dramatic way, who was saved from his sin, who God transformed his heart from being one who killed Christians to one who suddenly wanted to share people to people what Jesus had done in his heart. We looked at his introduction of where he was based, the type of person he was. And then last week, we really looked at his heart for the local church and his heart for people at large to live as God has called us to. And that the only way that happens is through a transformation from Jesus. And so now he looks at, but if we backtrack from that, if we get to the start, where is the mess in that? So this is what it says, Romans 1 verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed, it's shown from heaven, it's, it's displayed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Let's pause there for a little bit. Now this word wrath is a lot stronger than dislike and it's a lot stronger than anger. You know, it, it's pure holy hatred. And we can't compare what our wrath would be for a situation towards God's because he's very different to us. But when you see something, maybe you've watched it in a movie or you've watched it live or you've seen something happening that is horrific, that's true depravity in the world. And what rises up in you is nothing more than to destroy the person responsible for that horrific evil. This, it, this rage that rises up about how this is so wrong and this is so evil and this has to stop and whatever it means that person needs to be taken out. That's a glimmer, a tiny glimmer of what Jesus feels and what God feels towards ungodliness and unrighteousness. But the difference is, is that God's Wrath is always perfect and right because he's a perfect God, whereas ours could somehow sometimes be misdirected if we aren't careful. But this is what's interesting. Look at this. It says his wrath is revealed not against people themselves. You'll notice that here. It says, but against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. So it's not saying of people. It's not saying that he has this wrath against a person. It's against a product that comes out of the person, unrighteousness and ungodliness, the, something that emanates from people. And those two words, ungodliness and unrighteousness, may be fairly big um, to, to understand, but what they simply mean is ungodliness means living in a way that is different to God's plan. So it's ungodly. God has a plan for our lives and he lives a certain way and he would love us to live that way as well. Ungodliness is opposing that. And then unrighteous means having imperfections in our lives that block us from having a relationship with the perfect God. So it's things that are, are, are different and in opposition to God and therefore we can't be right with him. So those are just the definitions of those. You see, God made every person on earth in his image. He loves us dearly because he created each of us. Whether you know him or not, he created you for a purpose. And he died on the cross for all people. So that means he loves all people. He's a God of love. And so that's why his wrath is not against the people he created. It's against the sin and the brokenness within. And it's because we have this thing called sin. And sin is a born condition that corrupts you and I and destroys our lives. And we've said this a few times before, we don't teach our children, for those of you who have children, we don't teach them to disobey us. <laughs> they just do it. We just disobeyed our parents. Why? Where does that come from? It's not a learned behavior. It's because there's something within us, a brokenness within us that outworks itself. And so that condition of 
depravity and evil and brokenness within each of us in greater or lesser extents is what God is against because he knows how it destroys us. You see, that brokenness within leads people away from God and to do things that counter everything he stands for. And that's what brings wrath. And our problem is the fact that we are attached to our sin. We can't somehow just separate ourselves from it. It's, it's in and part and parcel of us and our bodies and our spirits and our souls. And so if that sin within us is not somehow paid for or covered or removed, then God's wrath towards us is an all-inclusive wrath rather than Him being able to see us outside of that brokenness. And so what's the result of this sin? Look at it over here. It says, as a result of all of this brokenness, by their unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. You see, the result of allowing sin to take hold in our lives allows the increased work of the enemy. Satan is real just as God is real. He's opposed to God. It allows him to work in greater levels in our lives. And therefore, we're led in our hearts, our spirits and our minds to, in a sense, suppress what's right. So to, to suppress what God has made us to live for. We're moved away from Jesus. Verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them, is plain to people, because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived, clearly seen ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. You know, God is not hiding from us. He's not hiding from society. But just as happened, some of you may know the story, some of you don't, in the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve turned away from God and suddenly they went and hid from him. He was walking in the garden. He obviously knew where they were, but in the story, he's sort of saying, hey guys, where are you? What had their sin done? It had made them pull away from God. He wasn't pulling away from them. They pulled away from God. And that's what our sin does. We hide from God, but he's made it very clear that he is God. And some of you might say, but, but what do you mean? How has he made it clear? So we're going to look at over here. Because you see, what stops someone, what stops you and I from taking a step to explore faith? Well, it could be pain. So whether we believe in God or not, we might use pain as an excuse to say we're not going to explore faith in him. That happened to me. That was so hurtful. That was so painful. So because of that, if there was a God out there, he would have stopped it. But because he uh, hasn't stopped it, I don't think there's a God out there. Now, that's not logical way of thinking, but we might think that way as well. It could be pain, but it could also be pride. Wanting to live our own way with no accountability. Wanting to live for ourselves. But God still shows himself. And one of the clearest ways, which he says over here, is through creation. See how it says, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen ever since the creation of the world. The creation and how it operates the miracles that he performed on earth and that he still performs today. Uh, Nazi, who we uh, love dearly uh, as church, our drummer, she's blind. But what's been happening a few times for her on and off is that for months, her voice will disappear. She's been to doctors countless times and they say, there's no reason we don't know why, but literally down to a whisper. After church on Sunday, we prayed for her instantly, just starts talking and talking loudly. And we were just saying, God, you, you do the miraculous and he's doing it amongst us. We're so excited. Christ coming to earth. Dying, rising again. This is God showing his divine power. This deep longing in our hearts for something more in the world. That's God. It's the nudgings of the Holy Spirit. 
you know, the world is beautiful. It's complex. If you expand out to see the way the solar system operates, the stars in which we live, how the earth um, is in perfect condition for life, that points to Jesus. If you get smaller and you go into atoms and you go into quarks and you see the complexity of particles we can't even see with the human eye, you see design. This is what you see in the big and in the small. God is showing himself. He's trying to show himself to you and I. The world is useful and it's great for living. And it's impossible for it to come about accidentally. It is impossible. But what are we taught in schools? We're taught that that's exactly what happened. That's what we're told, at least it may have changed now, but in all my biology books that I looked at uh, in, in the school here in Harare, let alone other places, that's what we were taught is that the world came across, uh, came about accidentally. The evolutionary theory, it's a theory because there's no fact to it. It hasn't been proven. It is not truth, but it's spoken of as truth. Uh, just last week, Apple on their website, I went on there and they were advertising a new series of theirs called the prehistoric life or prehistoric planet. Now I know that that's evolutionary based, but one of the largest tech firms in the world is driving this on their homepage. Why are they driving this on their homepage? It's important that you and I see that there is an agenda that is absolutely opposite to what we've just read in scripture now. There's an agenda that's, that's driving you and I to reject God as creator and that theory is directly against God and truth that's what God's talking about in this passage but he's saying if you take the blinders off if you really explore you will see that creation makes sense only when I am there there's a story of these two babies in the womb these twins and the one twin says to the other twin um, I can tell you there's there's something else out there I can hear sounds Sometimes I feel warmer. Sometimes I feel colder. There's, there's sort of noises. I'm telling you there's something more than, than this. The other twin says to him in the wood, don't be silly. This is all there is. I mean, come on. You know, this is, we get to swim around and we get to float around. We get to bump into each other. This is it. This is it for life. And the other one says, no, I'm, I'm telling you there's more. I'm telling you I can feel it. I can, I can sense it. That's what God's challenging you and I to think about today. To not go, this is it. What I'm told is it. But to be like that other twin who's like, maybe, just maybe, there's more to what we're seeing and there's something else out there. You see that challenge there at the end. It says, so, end of verse 20, so we are without excuse. That means that no one will one day be able to stand before Jesus and say, God, I didn't know. Doesn't matter what nation they live. Doesn't matter if someone's spoken to them about Jesus. Just by creation just by what we see around us and we're in this beautiful garden and you can see creation around us just by that one day when people die and they stand before Jesus and they have to give an account for their life which will happen to everyone no one will be able to say I didn't know and there wasn't a God purely because of creation and so if you're sitting here today and maybe you've believed evolution your whole life maybe you're exploring faith I want you to I want you to start exploring more I want you to start getting to grips with but actually is there something more to what I've heard. Verse 21, for although they knew God, talking about people who haven't followed God, we've looked at creation, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, ineffective in their thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So when it says here, although they knew God, 
this isn't talking about a relationship with God. This is talking about, uh, I have, um, maybe there's people I've spoken to. In fact, I was watching a, a movie series that Sarah and I love, NCIS, all the series, we love it. And uh, Tony Dinoza, one of the funny guys, he was talking about the big guy in the sky. Now, we could talk like that. And I've got a number of friends who might talk like the big guy in the sky. That's knowing of God, like what this pastor is talking about. It's not a personal relationship, but saying, yeah, I think there's a God somewhere out there. Although they knew that he was out there, um, they did not honor him as God. Maybe like that song from Frank Sinatra, I Did It My Way, a number of Queen songs, a number of modern songs coming out. It's all about ourselves. It's us focused. We did it on our own. And so what happens when we reject God as creator first and we believe we're in a sense ourselves God? What we do is we make the world about us. We don't honor him as God. We make ourselves God. And a word for that would be this word called idolatry. We make an idol out of something that is not the true God. And so here in this passage, we see people uh, who would have been happening in that time that Paul's wrote, uh, writing in those times. And to be honest, if you travel to the East, Sarah and I have done trips to the East before. This would be very much happening in, in some of the Eastern faiths where people made idols out of animals. And it says there, um, out of people. Uh, our images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So that may happen today and it does still in different days. But, you know, maybe you sit here and go, well, I don't do that. We don't have an idol in our house. We don't, we don't worship like a creeping animal. But, but maybe you do worship something. You see, we all worship something. And if we're not worshiping God, we're worshiping something else. Might be our bodies. Maybe we worship our bodies and maybe the focus of our lives is to sort of prolong death for as long as we can. So yeah, we might argue that we're being healthy and we're doing gym, but, but is it actually worship of our bodies? Maybe it's money, maybe it's possessions, maybe it's safety. If there's anything in your life and mine that takes the place of God, that is more valuable than God, that's idolatry. It's worshiping something other than God. And for society, this is terrifying. You see the result of idolatry, the result of it. Um, that happens in the bottom is a degradation in society. It's, it's so scary to see. And so look over here. It says they exchanged. They did not honor God or give thanks to him or all this sort of thing. They exchanged the glory of God for uh, other images. So what it's talking about here is, is it's saying about this amazing, immortal, creative God who is getting exchanged for something small and made. This, this absolutely breaks God's heart. He died for us on the cross. He gave up everything for on the cross and it just breaks his heart. It's quite scary that you'll notice. It says these people um, became foolish in their hearts. They became fools. Now, why are people like this considered foolish? And this isn't Paul talking about people who are intellectually not clever. That's not what it's saying. It's talking about the fact, it's not, it's not lack of smartness. It's because rejecting the leadership of God in your life and mine is the unwisest decision we can ever make. The net result is a life on earth absent from Jesus and an eternity absent from God. And that is a foolish thing to do. It is. It is absolutely unwise. So you can be academically smart. You can be very sharp academically, but foolish when it comes to a life with God. You know, this whole thing of rejecting God's ways and his plans. I've been following this for a while. If you look at nations and they're not, you can't make a nation a godly nation. But if you look at 
England at certain times, the, the, the British Empire, if you look at America and the founding fathers, uh, and, and if you look at that trickling through different nations, whilst those people weren't necessarily Christians or Christ followers, a lot of the laws that came out of those times were based on biblical laws. They were based on the way to live according to the Bible. And those nations really did rise to be very strong at the time. What I've noticed is that as society has moved away and, and those leading countries have moved away from biblical principles, I'm seeing those nations start to crumble. They're not the strength and the superpowers that they used to be. And I think it's because as we honor God's ways, even if we're Christians or not, they're just the ways that are right and true. And as we move away from that, those nations will begin to crumble more and more. It's going to be interesting to follow to see how it goes. Getting towards the last few bits. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And so, do you get the progression? You don't believe God as creator. As a result, you reject Him as God and you decide that you are God. And as you start to think of yourself as God, you start to move your thinking away from his thinking. And this is what this next section is about. What happens when your life is apart from God? And this phrase over here that you'll keep seeing in the next little bit, it says, God gave them up. God gave them up. God gave them up. This is not a joyful handing over from God. This is a heartbroken acceptance of people choosing to reject radical love from God. And so it's a, he gives them up. To, to pursue their own desires, but it's, it's, not a, it's not an exciting giving up. It's a very sad giving up because ultimately we have choice. We're not robots, but you and I get exactly what we choose. So God's not going to force us. He longs for us to come to him. But as a result, sin takes hold and twists our lives. And so as we see this rejection of creator, we see the rejection of being made in his image. And I think this is the key battle we're facing in society at the moment. I feel like the evolutionary discussion is there, but not so much now. I now believe it's down to us as people being made in God's image for the plans and purposes he gave us for sexual orientation. They were given up to the lusts, the depravity, the longings outside of Jesus of their heart. And these were twisted lusts. You see there it says dishonorable passions against God's plan and purpose. And when it comes to this area of sexual orientation and gender, the world has gone crazy. And you'll hear me sharing about this fairly often because I know it's a key area that we're facing. Facebook at times has listed more than 70 different genders you can have. At the moment, you can choose from agender, andron andronagus, bigender, cis man or woman. Now, CIS, man or woman, is actually, if you have the natural understanding that you feel, and maybe I'll get in trouble for saying natural, but if you are male and have male parts and you call yourself a man, you're not call, called a man anymore. You're called a cis man. And if you're a woman and you say, I was born as a woman, I have womanly parts, I'm a woman, you're called a cis woman. And that's because cis is the anti of trans. 
And so now suddenly you're no longer called a man or a woman. You actually have another title added to you because you oppose what trance is. Non-binary, gender fluid, gender questioning, trance, trans woman, trans man, transgender person, two-spirited. That's terrifying. You can list yourself as I actually have two different spirits within me, which is demonic, but you can list yourself on Facebook as that. Friends, this is not normal. This is not progressive human thinking. This is degradation of society. This is anti-God at its very core. And many of these people exploring this, and I know people who are going on some of these journeys, they're not on this journey because they're purposefully trying to be anti-God. They're not purposely trying to follow something incorrect, but their eyes have been blinded. Maybe today your eyes have been blinded and you haven't known it. 2 Corinthians 4, it says the God of this age has blinded the minds of people who don't know Jesus so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. We need to pray and I pray that our eyes are opened today. You notice there how it says they exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. They exchanged how things normally operate in nature for things that are unnatural. Friends embracing different sexualities, it's not something to be praised, it is opposite to Jesus. And children are being trained in this from a young age. In other nations, praise God, it doesn't happen here yet, but it's coming quickly. There's a number of nonprofit agencies working to bring in this into the academic calendar through government and there's kickbacks and those sorts of things that'll be involved, but to bring across this sort of agenda. And it's coming where, as we know around the world, whereas four, five, six, no, 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 you might be a boy, but actually you can choose at your age. You, even if your parents say that's what you are, that is not what you are. You decide what you are. What you are born as is different to what you choose to be. And so toilets, you decide as a six-year-old, just because you might have male parts. No, no, you must go to the girls one if you want to go to the girls one. But this may come across like we just want to give people choice. No, this is anti-Jesus to the core. These are one of the greatest lies of the enemy. And friends listening here, I want you to know that you are not born gay. You're not born lesbian. You're not born trans. You're made in the image of Jesus. He loves you. He created you. And he has a great plan and a purpose for you. So what makes us go down this path? Maybe you're listening here today. That's a path you've taken. And as I said, I have friends who are, who are struggling in these areas. What, what leads us down that path? If we're not born that way, what leads us that way? I'd say there's so many different things uh, that could lead us down this way. It could be hurt. It could be early childhood brokenness. It could be media. And if media is driving our children to think like this from five years old, the more that we listen to things, the more that we see things, the more they change our thinking. Could be loneliness. It could be the brokenness of sin. Sam Albury, an amazing uh, godly church leader for, for his life, he struggled with same-sex attraction. And so he says he has this, this is real, he's never been married. He, he doesn't have this, uh, the, the attraction for women that he would love to have. But he says, you know what? I know what God's plan is and I want to follow God's plan. And so God, I, I would love him to heal me and restore my thinking and restore my mind. But you know what? I am going to live sold out for Jesus and I'm going to honor Jesus. I'm not going to give myself into dishonorable passions and I'm going to live a life sold out for Jesus. That's what he's doing. Pastoring a church, writing books, serving and helping people where uh, attraction is, is maybe not according to God's creative order. So check him out if you're struggling in this area. Sam Albury. When, when Paul says natural and, and not natural, you know, people's bodies, our sexual organs, they're created by God to fit together. 
as they do with animals, as they do with people for intimacy and procreation. This is of God. He's created our bodies fit together in His creative order. It's not an accident. I was researching for this. It terrified me. I was researching what people have to go through to become a trans man or a trans woman. The kind of body transformation and creation that they have to go through to move themselves to on the outside being a, a man if they were a woman and, and vice versa. It's terrifying what happens to people's bodies. So I, I kind of don't want to say research it, but if you want to look at the unnatural nature of it, but it's portrayed as something that's amazing, just do some research on it. Being born men or women is not an accident. It's designed by the Creator for a purpose. You see there it says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Friends, there is universal truth. There is not relative truth. We can so easily fall into that, that everything goes because you deserve, de determine truth as an individual. We can, we can go down that path. What's true to you is true to you. My truth is different, but we know that's not true because we know that there are things that are true and things that are not true. So I want to challenge you, pursue truth. If you're exploring faith today, explore other faiths. Pick up a Quran and read it. Pick up the Bible and read it. People might say, why would you say that, Craig? It's because I believe that Jesus shines and he shines bright when we explore with an open mind and we're after truth. So search deeper, pursue truth. Not everything that you see in the world and in mainstream media is true. Not everything that we hear and listen to that we see on Google is true. People often call Christ followers foolish and with a sort of narrow vision and, 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 and you just, you're so backward. You're so backward in your thinking. You're so backward in, in those sorts of things. Friends, ultimately, the most foolish thing in the world is actually to not follow truth. And so pursue truth. Pursue truth. And I know Jesus will show you the reality of who he is. Last bit and then we'll pray. Verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, and malice. Now you see Paul going for it. Some of these will apply to you and I, regardless of whether you're Christ follow or not. Full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Now this applies to everyone across the board, right? This is scary. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Do you see what Satan's doing? First creation is attacked. Then being made in God's image is attacked. And finally, as we go down that slope, our minds are completely corrupted where we believe that what's right is wrong and what's wrong is right. A complete debasing of our minds. Friends, deep down, we don't sin accidentally. We sin on purpose. Um, and even as we have sin in our hearts, it affects our hearts, it twists us. But evil goes even further when we start to praise that sin. So we have mess and brokenness in our lives and recognizing it is the first step. But if we start to believe that what's evil is good, our minds have been absolutely corrupted. And this happened, our girls are studying at the moment, it happened in Rome. Some of us have watched series about the Colosseum, right? The Roman Colosseum. Think about the depravity of watching innocent people being mauled by animals, of watching people kill each other for fun, for humor, real life. Can you imagine us in Harare heading across to uh, the showgrounds and guys, it's happening at the Colosseum and innocent people are getting slaughtered and we're celebrating it. 
that is what Jesus, uh, what Paul is talking about here in God's sanctuary scripture. It's when we praise and we celebrate evil. It's terrifying. And we might say, well, does this really happen today? Do we celebrate it today? It does. Abortion, for one. We have people celebrating and helping people murder innocent children and calling it good and encouraging in it. That is debased minds. That is the demonic in action. Pornography. Many people battle with it and, and there's ways to help. And if you're struggling with it, please do share it. There's ways to be free from it. But pornography and the big driver of pornography is human trafficking. But yet pornography will be celebrated and it will be honored and people will make jokes about it. But the majority of those women involved are done under duress and they're drugged up and they're trafficked from different nations. And we celebrate this as good and we celebrate this as mainstream and, and all those sorts of things. This is ultimate depravity. When we have other people's sin and we give approval to their sin, it's a debasing of our minds. And I just say, Lord Jesus, please save us from this. Save me from this. Save Christ followers from this. Save Harari from this. Save our neighborhoods from this. Please help us to be lights in the darkness. And what's our response as we close to this? We, we can only turn to Jesus. Only new hearts, only healed hearts, only whole hearts will allow us to live like God intended us to live. We can't manufacture this. We can't make it happen. Society's system has proof that our education system doesn't help make this happen. Our political system doesn't help make this happen. None of this improves society. I know that Jesus does. The good news of Jesus transforming us from the inside out is the only hope for humanity. When you become a Christ follower, Jesus changes you from the inside out. He transforms you. He makes you new and you get to live the purpose he created you for. So a few things to think on as we close. If you're a Christ follower and you're checking this out today, stand firm on the truth. Stand firm on the universal truth. Pursue Jesus with all your heart. Don't give in to the slippery slope of culture. Culture comes in many different ways. Hey, firstly, it goes, you know, it's not really a problem to, uh, to, 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 to allow your teenagers to, um, to, to, to sleep around or to live together. With them. It's, it's okay. It's just, it's modern culture. It's not a problem. But that just moves on to going, but actually, sexuality on the whole is not a problem. It doesn't really matter how you choose. And then it, it, it goes on the slope. So, so as parents, as children, stick to the truth of Scripture. Don't allow culture to dictate truth. See earthly events and news from spiritual perspectives. Don't just take what you see as truth. Ask God to give you his wisdom. And know that knowledge in itself just puffs up and brings pride. We have to be like Jesus. Knowing things. Knowing about creation. Knowing about Jesus coming to earth. Knowing about sexuality. That doesn't help people be transformed. Only Jesus does. But, but know what you believe. If you're exploring faith today. Maybe you're checking out faith today. Listen to the nudgings of the Holy Spirit. When you put your head down to sleep at night, when you're by yourself and you think, could there be something more? Listen to those nudgings. Don't block them out. Explore. Don't settle or push aside your questions. Seek and you'll find. And as you look from afar and, and, and you see the world from afar, look at what makes sense. Look with an open mind and keep exploring. Jesus, as he was about to go to Jerusalem, he prayed for Jerusalem. His heart was broken because he knew that in a few days or weeks time they would kill him. And he loved them desperately and he knew they were against everything that he stood for. 
I want you to know Jesus loves his enemies. He loves us when we don't love him. He loves us when we don't know him. And so as I pray today, as I close, I want to pray that we receive God's love, we receive his plan, and we live on the back of that. Holy Spirit, I pray. It's been a tough passage. It's, it's a tough thing to look at, but it's truth. I pray that if we don't know you here today, that we would keep exploring and as we seek, that we would find. And if we know you today, Jesus, we would truly be light in a darkness. We wouldn't hide our light under something. We wouldn't allow our light to be dimmed. But Jesus, we would speak truth. We would speak love. And as a result, many people would come to know you. They would see the truth for what it is and their hearts would be healed and transformed. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I know that was a tough one. I know that was a bit of a hectic one, but it's true and it's life. And as we pursue Jesus, he gives us life and he gives us purpose. And so I pray you have a brilliant rest of the week. Pursue him for all you, all you are. Love people. Love people you don't know. Get to people you get to know people that you don't know from different faiths. Love people uh, it, where they are. And uh, let's keep pursuing Jesus and what he has for us as a church, as neighborhoods, as families and in the city. And have a brilliant rest of your day. Thanks so much.